Welcome in to another episode of the Fast Break Podcast. I've got Grant Mitchell with me, Chris Clark, Justin Klimmer, and as always, I'm Bryson Wright. And we had two Game 7s. We finally have the Conference Finals matchup set. Uh, the first game that, and just the series as a whole that I want to talk about, is definitely has to be the Suns and the Mavericks. Because I don't know if I can remember a Game 7 that was just so, I, I mean, not saying that it was impossible for the Mavs to win, but I feel like everybody had a feeling the Suns are going to go back home. And then for them to just come out and lay an egg, mm-hmm. like not just to lose, but to get beat from the opening tip. It wasn't even like, like I know the Celtics and Bucks game, the Bucks ended up losing by like 15 or 20 points, right? But it was a good game for much of the game, and they kind of pulled away the home crowd, got them into it, all that, right? No, the Suns just get beat from the opening tip. It was ugly. And this was also after another bad performance where they lost uh, to the Mavs by about 20 points, you know? So it really makes you have to go back to the drawing board and say, well, what went wrong to where they collapsed to such a degree in the, these last two games, especially this last one. I mean, they were down by 40 for most of the game. Finishes off down by 33, 123 to 90 win for the Mavericks. And, I mean, it was so bad going to the half that they were the Suns were getting booed by their home fans. I mean, they deserved <laughs> home it. Fans. For Luka, good reason. Yeah, yeah. Luka Don had the exact amount of points that the Suns had as an entire team, 27. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I think that I've, I think my rec team has had 27 and a half before. <laughs> I, I cannot like, believe what? it. When the Suns were in the 30 to 40 point range in the third quarter, I just, I, I looked at the scoreboard and just an absolute disbelief. As anybody watching the game would, you've watched the Suns team all year be able to score at will. We saw them at the end of game two. We saw them uh, in game five. They were able to just take command of the game and really uh, just start putting in a flurry of shots. We didn't see that at all last night. I mean, to, to see them struggle as much as they did, Luka Doncic, uh, first and foremost, is just absolute – so much credit goes to him. Um, he got his help last night that he needed, that he was lacking in Dallas. But the thing with Luka, you got a guy who uh, outscored Devin Booker, out-rebounded DeAndre Ayton, out-assisted Chris Paul, and out-stole Mikael Bridges. I, I mean, all by himself. That's insane. Outstole. I didn't know he outstole Mikael Bridges. Yes. That's that's insane. The, yeah. that's, my goodness, man. I mean, this guy just he was the commander for the for the Mavericks of the series, as we expected from Luka Doncic. And this is it, man. This is game seven playoff basketball. This is where your stars shine or, or at least supposed to shine. And that's exactly what Luka did. I mean, uh, just so much credit goes to him. The Mavs, Spencer Dinwiddie was phenomenal as well himself. So just um, a, a great team effort. They really, Jason Kidd especially, deserves so much credit himself. Uh, very happy for him. Uh, the Mavs, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 a tough, they're, they're a tough team right now. The playoffs is not always about who's the best team going in, but who is the hottest. Yeah, it's just really incredible what the Mavs did. It's kind of hard to put in the words what they um, did to the Suns in Game 7. I mean, we were talking about the Suns all season. Not just us, but around the NBA media. media. 64 wins, first seed, um, fresh off of a conference uh, championship last year. So 
you know, they were kind of a shoe in for this series. You're like, okay, yeah, <clears throat> Luca, you know, he's next up, of course, but he's still got some uh, growing to do. Um, his team's not really uh, up to par with him yet. So it, it might be a while till we see a, a Luca deep playoff run. But, you know, he's 23 years old, 23 years, years old, and he's kind of skipped that process, it seems. And he, he really wants it. He's ready for it. He, he's ready to, to take the, the league by storm and become the face of the league. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, again, going back to the Suns, I'm wondering if there's an identity crisis. What happened? Because in the regular season, they had 10 players who were scoring at least at least eight points per game. In the postseason, they had six. That's a pretty big change right there. And I'm just, I, I how, how obviously the competition's going to be a lot steeper in the playoffs, but for the most part, your team and that chemistry and everything that you had rolling in the regular season should carry over into the playoffs. We saw them struggle with the Pelicans. Then we see this with the Mavericks. Obviously, Luka Don is a monster, but the big three of Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, and um, uh, the gentleman from Villanova, who I can't remember the name of, Jalen Brunson. Brunson. I mean, that's not exactly a group that I think would be imposing compared to the Suns. Meanwhile, they couldn't do anything against them. And look, Brunson, major props to him. He has stepped up so much this year as a whole and also in the playoffs. But Dinwiddie, I mean, just dropping oh, shots. Dude, dude, Spencer Dinwiddie, that was like that was like a legacy performance for yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. I, I saw yeah. something. It was uh, they were the first pair of teammates, Luka and Spencer Dinwiddie, the first pair of teammates to drop 30 in a game seven since Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, like no, 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 like, and this is not to say, like, no offense to Spencer Dinwiddie. Maybe I underrated him a little bit, but I've I've never seen him as like a real second option on a team that's yeah. going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Well, you of can argue between was. him and Jalen Brunson, but he's really the second or third option. I never thought that he was going to be the second or third option on a team that made a run like this. Yeah. So shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie because dude played out of his mind last night obviously Luka Doncic I, I I was just thinking about it like I I remember in 2018 Luka Doncic was number one on my draft board and I was I was hoping that he was going to fall to forward to the Grizzlies I was really hoping for it <laughs> like uh, he, he he got picked one pick too early I yeah. mean still love Jaron Jackson Jr. of course and, I mean not like we went wrong with it yeah exactly too. that's yeah. why and then when they made see because he was supposed to go to the Hawks and they made the trade and that made me even yeah, more mad it. yeah so imagine I was how like, Atlanta feels today I mean no offense I mean, to Trey Young but I mean come on yeah. I mean and I think that's the crate that trade that's going to be one of those trades that you're going to look back at in 15 20 years and you're going to be like I don't know. Yeah. Like no no like yeah. it's I'm obviously I think Luke is a better player than Trey, but they're both top what 15? I think Trey's in the top 15 range I, right now. I, I yeah. think at that time it was pretty par for par. Yeah. At the time. And, and now we and the Hawks it, also got another eh, first round pick out of it. Yeah. That they did. They, they turned that into the Andre Hunter. So But Lucas Luke is also top five, top three player in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Undoubted. It's invaluable, yeah. I I think what I'm seeing from Luka right now is what I saw from Giannis going back to last year's conference finals uh, Mm -hmm. up until he got hurt, of course, and then the finals. What I'm seeing from Luka right now is a guy who is starting to – he's not just starting to dominate the league, but he's like – he knows he is. He's comfortable with doing it. He's out there playing with guys almost at this point. Just the way he goes about his business, he gives you the the gas face, right, that that Luka's – it just continuously ever doing to the to, to guys he's burning on the court, man. So uh, again, this 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 guy's really starting to to 
to come into his own. I mean, we're not we've seen him get better and better, but he he's a different player now. Phoenix right now, Grant, you talked about it. Maybe some identity issues. I, I don't know because what happened with the scoring that we saw all season? D-Book. I mean, that was what the man scored 72 points on a garbage Suns team and was just amazing. And now, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have that same capability, but when you have all these other factors in the mix, you're trying to include other players into the game, have them score as well. If you're on a cold streak yourself, but these other guys aren't taking the opportunities or making them, I mean, you're going to go down in flames. And I think that's one of the, the things when you have a primary ball handler and playmaker like Luka Don is you can kind of live and die by it. You have that person you can always go to, but also that opens up things for the other guys. And with the Suns, they're trying to, you know, win by commission. And with that, you know, if, if everybody's missing on a night like they were, this is what happens. Yeah. And, and I think if, if there's any crisis right now going on with Phoenix, though, going into this offseason, you've got to worry about the extension with Devin Booker. And you've got to worry about the restricted free agency of DeAndre. Uh, oh, Aiton. I mean, DeAndre he's, he's got to be getting, he's got to be really feeling it right now because, I mean, that's that was the number one pick of the draft. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, and again, for me, I was thinking like Luca is going to be, he's going to be a top three guy, obviously, but I didn't see why everyone was freaking out at the last minute saying, well, you know, Luca could be a bust. Because all season long, it was like, this, this guy from Slovenia is insane. Like he's doing yes. crazy stuff on the court. Then last mm-hmm. minute, there was there was just this like, oh, I don't know. You know, he could be he could be Andre Bargnani, and he's not as good as advertised. But I mean, Luca was just a freak even then. Like he was could, a you're, you're a league MVP, yeah. like AJ King. Yeah, I mean that's second best league in the world. Uh huh. Exactly. That's that's not somebody who's going to come in and disappoint. So all that buyers beware or buyer, buyer uh, precautionary measures taken before making the. The draft. I mean, especially the, the the Kings, like the Suns. I guess I can understand them taking Aiton because he was so dominant for the time he played with Arizona. That's but, true, and a regional fan yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah. But, but, and also, you know, you already have Devin Booker mm-hmm. and all of that. He's supposed to be the guy that's yeah. going to be your primary ball handler. I know they ended up getting Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is not like a volume shots kind of guy. Yeah, the way that Luca is. So I understand that. Uh, but yeah, the Marvin Bagley pick is going to go down as like that's the Sam Bowie in this draft <laughs> you know yeah. uh when it's like yeah. uh I'm you know okay they picked Hakeem before Jordan but that's okay yeah it's understandable yeah you can't look at everything in hindsight right but right. Marvin Bagley yeah that's bad yeah well that's just the way the Kings have been run for a better part of a decade and a half now ever since uh, the post Chris Weber area hey it's okay Mike Brown was the first Kings coach to coach a playoff game since 2006 but he <laughs> coached for the Warriors <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the nearby rival yeah that's pretty how funny. perfect is that for the Kings yeah but uh last thing on the Suns we gotta we gotta bring in my guy Justin said we had to make sure we use this sound today yeah, winners work, baby. Winners work, baby. Help you do, man. Hey, winners work. Yeah, baby. winners if work. You don't know what that's from. That's from. It's it's very easy to clown on the Suns, especially this year, especially now. But that that was from a, a video of them uh, working out post game, and it, it just kind of looked like they were doing it for the cameras. You know, it, it was. Uh, that's what many people on Twitter thought. And you know, another another sound clip I should have mentioned. I should have told you to put on the sound. Soundbar was uh, remember Devin Booker complained about double teams and open run. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, I, I get that all season. Why are we doing this in the open gym? Maybe you should have oh, let him double team him in the open gym a little bit he more. He got it all series. They, they, yeah, he should be practicing more often. I mean, they were blitzing him, and he he really didn't know what to do. He had four point six assists to three point nine turnovers. I mean, that's that's pretty terrible for a guy who handles the ball that much stuff. So. 
yeah, they're going to need another tertiary, a third playmaker um, that can handle the ball in Phoenix. And uh, yeah, but their most most pressing issues are DeAndre Ayton in that contract. But yeah, anything and, else in the series, guys? Uh, well, I do have to talk about just Chris Paul in general. Yeah, because this is another another collapse in the playoffs. Dude has now has the most blown 2-0 leads by a player in NBA history. He has five. Yeah. This was his fifth one. See, I, I, I would I think there's there's I would say it's mostly bad luck. I think he, obviously his performance was bad in this game, but the Phoenix Suns in, in their totality were horrific. Uh mm-hmm. Chris Paul had two postseason games where he was perfect shooting on the floor. Um this this run. And I think sure. Um, sure. with the uh, Houston Rockets, their their best chance to go to the finals was it seventeen eighteen? Yeah, yeah, when when he, when he got hurt, he got yeah, yeah, he was hurt. So I mean, yeah. I think I think Chris Paul has been part of great teams that just weren't, or that were really good teams that just weren't good enough to get to the finals. Or if they were, something happened at the worst possible time. But for Chris Paul, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm I'm telling you though, I I really think it comes down to I think the Chris Paul curse on top of the dating a Kardashian curse. <laughs> Is just way too much to overcome. They you, you can't have both of those on the same team. Or the Pelicans, because he started his career off with the New Orleans Hornets, which are the Pelicans. Which I was going to say. So I think that's the main my, curse here. My, my boys were privy to kind of starting that curse. We were the first 2-0 lead blue. I remember watching that 0-8 semifinals and was thinking when we went down 2-0 and then came back, like, wow. Because the Hornets were a great team at that time. Yeah. And then now to see that he, it's, it's happened five times, and we just saw it happen last July, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like uh, I don't know how many times it's going to happen to a player who we consider to be one, one of definitely one of the best to, to have played the game. He has Chris Paul, whether for better or worse, he's had quite an impact on the NBA over his tenure. He's going to go down as one of the best to play the game, but to never win a championship yeah. so far – uh, it's tough, man. And honestly, right now, as far as Phoenix, they've got a lot to figure out before I can even consider uh, him possibly winning it n- next year, right? We all thought going into the offseason, given what happened in the finals, the, the Phoenix would be uh, definitely a top contender for this year. We were correct about that yeah. until push came to shove, and they met a young, uh, bustling star in, in, in Luka Doncic who is just coming into his own again. Uh, to, to I don't know. I don't for, you, for Chris Paul, uh, there's, there's a lot to figure out. Yeah. I'm a, uh, we got to talk about how, I mean, this was really a great opportunity for Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns to win a chip. I mean, you look around the West and it's it's just kind of compared this postseason and project out next postseason. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, they, they really should have done it this season because Grizzlies are going to come back even stronger. Warriors are going to be the Warriors. Yes, Luka, it only gets tough. another year under his belt. The Jazz, I'm just joking. I'm not going to mention the Jazz. That's the Nuggets right. are going to get Jamal Murray back. The Timberwolves. You know, another year, Pelicans, Clippers, Lakers. We'll no. see what happens with them. But but I think but, you're making you know, a really good point that this was the year. It's like when you get here, so, you have a game seven. No, no, most certainly is not. Yeah. It's not going to get any easier for sure for them yeah. moving forward. It's 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 really unfortunate because yeah. I mean I was fully bought in. I thought this this Phoenix Suns team I missed to to all your points. This was the year. I mean mm. I was thinking like they're whoever they play from the East they're gonna win. This is just they're they're dominant. And then the full season went by. They had that long win streak, which was the longest in the NBA this year. And I mean I'm just I'm I'm really at a loss. I think everyone's shocked. And the yeah. good segue into yep. there is the yep. fact that uh, Phoenix, this was a good chance to do it because the team that beat you last year was just put out. 
Yep. Yep. The Boston Celtics won game seven. Not behind. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart played pretty well, but mostly on the back of Grant Williams. That's right. Big Grant. That's right. Which, not lying. Number two, Big Grant. We got we already got Big Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that this comes down to Coach Bud because I don't understand. I, I guess they decided, hey, if Grant Williams beats us, we can just live with that. And Grant Williams was like, okay, I'll do it then. And he's been shooting great this year too. Yeah, so it's I like don't you're, you're just going to yeah. let the dude who's shooting 40% from three, let's leave him open. Yeah, yeah let's leave him open. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's worry about the too. other guys. In the corner. It's insane. And then he, I know he had, he had a dunk and everything too, but I mean, Jason Tatum played well. Jalen Brown played well. Uh, Giannis missed a lot. He missed some shots that I have not seen him miss before. There was one that I remember where he was on a fast break where he missed the layup. I didn't even like, I was so sure that he was going to make it that when they started running down the court, I was like, why didn't they inbound it? And I was like, Oh, he missed that. <laughs> yeah. Like what? He's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and what that happened three or four times, I think for Giannis. Yes. Uh, and I it just, was just like, I don't know. I, I, I really, the reason why I came down to Celtics and seven was my pick, which I do feel, I feel really good today after making that yeah. pick. But, uh, I just, dude, there's something about playing in Boston in a game seven. I don't know. It's like the crowd, everything. Like, for some reason, like, the floor was really slippery and they had to keep mopping stuff up. Like, I, oh, I don't here know. We go. It's just here something we go. about Boston. Something just, about Boston. There's that, something about Boston. That playing could be its in own Boston. Podcast, you know? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, is there something about Boston where, and I know they used to say it in like the old arena back when they won all those championships, yeah. like Bill Russell, they were like, they had like a lip, they actually had a leprechaun in there that would yeah. be messing with stuff. <laughs> and like Jerry West would be talking about stuff like that, I guess. But yeah, I don't you know. Laughing in the locker room. Yeah. 25 yeah. times, yeah. T- 25 times now Boston has won a game seven uh, at home. I believe this is what that record was. And, and, and that's just insane. That's insane because we we saw first and foremost I think for for the coach Bud thing there what I saw I think he had a game plan he wanted to stick with that game plan and the thing with Grant Williams he had never led the Celtics in scoring at all ever in his career and he picked a fine time to do it fine day to do it and for coach Bud I just I feel like he had to figure after so while after a while you would think you would have seen these changes but I think he just he just stuck to thinking okay It'll even out. We'll get our shots, you know, stuff like that. And it just didn't work. After a while, you figure, okay, you got to change it, though, because they, they were getting pretty beat down for a second there. You know, Milwaukee tried to make some comebacks. Um, Giannis trying to dominate in the paint, doing what he does. But, unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done. And without their star, Chris Middleton, yeah, I think that was what was going to happen this series because you're down a guy who was, if I'm not mistaken, scoring 24 points a game. Seven boards and five assists in last year's NBA Finals. That's a key piece to be missing in a tough semifinal series. And in, in a semi truck can yeah, only that. pull so much weight too. Because you look at Giannis, he had twenty five points. His field goal percentage was abhorrent. He shot thirty eight percent in the game, three point twenty five percent. But he also, again, he had twenty boards and he had nine rebounds. I mean, Giannis was still carrying this team on his back. But I mean, this is this is such a massive win for the Celtics because I mean, it's the, it's the biggest win. For them in in 10 years the biggest series for them in 10 years and I say 10 years because in 2012 10 years ago uh, they were in the conference finals against the Miami Heat that super team and now we're heading back into this and you know it's not the Miami super team but I mean they 
they may not have LeBron, but they they are they're dominant. They've got Jimmy Butler. They've got all these great players, and we'll preview that a little later. But I mean, the Celtics here, they finally got over the hump. They finally moved on to the next era of their franchise because they were stuck in neutral there for a couple seasons. And with these last couple of years losing in the second round or first round, finally getting past that is just that's so much weight off their back. Before you go, Justin, I just want to say real quick on that. I, I'm not in 100 uh, percent agreement with that only because I saw this team, though they were young, they mm. were extremely young in 2018. That was yeah. four years ago. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals one game away from an NBA Finals appearance. Until I see them get over that, I'm not going to say yet I've seen them get over the hump. Though I think this team, kind of apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. They were very young at the time, so you give them that credit, right? They do it now, it's going to be an absolutely overwhelming feeling for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this team's special for sure. Um, Chris, you made the point about uh, Chris Milton. Obviously, that's the biggest thing for the Bucs that they're missing. But I I thought it was – Kind of apparent that they they were missing PJ Tucker out there. I mean, he, he was very oh, big. No doubt. He's big for he's big for any for any club he goes to. I mean, he's he's a championship type of player, and they just needed a wing like that because I don't think they really wanted to start Bobby Portis and uh, with Brook Lopez at the same time, but they had to because of their personnel. I mean, behind them is like who are they going to play? Thanasis or Serge Ibaka? They don't have any. Any big men that um, that can um, spell Bobby Portis, but so that is a problem. I don't view Bobby Portis as a starter. I think he'd be a tremendous six-player option, but I don't view him as a starter. Missing PJ Tucker—that's a phenomenal point, Justin, because yeah. they called Mi- Milwaukee the dogs. They, last year, that was why they were saying Milwaukee won their first championship in how many ever decades it was, because they had them dogs and PJ Tucker, and you let that get away, and this is kind of what happens. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I mean, you see how P.J. Tucker has helped the Heat. Obviously, the Heat are back in the conference finals with P.J. Tucker. And I feel like if if we look back, I feel like P.J. Tucker has been in the conference finals for like the last like four or five yeah, years. I think it seems he like. was with Houston. Yeah, right? with in Houston, Houston, he was in the conference finals in the West. And now he's been to the Eastern Conference finals twice in a row. So he's just, you know, c- catching a lot of Eastern Conference finals, Western Conference finals. Right, I'm wrong. Was he not with 2019 Toronto as well? No, he was with sixteen, seventeen Toronto. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. That was prior. Yeah. To, he was with the Rockets. Prior to Houston. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was before he went to Houston. I was going to say that's actually. I was like, wow. yeah, no, no, no. Hold he was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I, I think that might have been because that you know because did I don't know if they made it to the conference finals that year. No, Ooh. that was the uh, Trailblazers made it to play the Warriors that yes. year in twenty nineteen when they had like a twenty point lead in each game and lost each game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which that actually is a pretty good segue because we do have to talk about. The Grizzlies and the Warriors series ending uh, in six games. Uh, you guys told me that it was going to happen. I had a feeling it was going to happen, but I was not ready to accept it. Uh, but, yeah, Warriors were the better team down the stretch in all the games. All, well, most of the games, besides the 50-point blowout, which was just like, I don't even know what was going on that I, night. I don't that think you insane. can put into words that kind of a game. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, but the, the thing about that is, is that I think that, because they won by so much in that game before, the Warriors really, like, locked in. Uh, shout out to Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney looked like Kevon Rodman out there. I think he had 21 <laughs> rebounds. Uh, I, it felt like he might have had more rebounds than the Grizzlies did just in general. Yeah. And I really think that's, like, the series came down to four or five plays that the Warriors made. 
that the Grizzlies haven't had the experience. They haven't been there before. And that's really what it came down to. Uh, I, I, I sometimes, like, I understand the whole experience part of it, but I think it also comes with how good the team is already. Like, people were saying, like, oh, the Lakers have whatever. They have a championship experience. But I was like, yeah, but the team overall isn't that – it wasn't good. But when you have a really good team with really good role players and you have three Hall of Famers, it's like that's it, that's tough to overcome for a young team. So uh, congratulations to the Warriors on winning the series, going back to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Steph and Clay have been to the Western Conference Finals every time they've both been healthy since 2015 now. Yes. So that's that's pretty impressive. That's remarkable. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. Possibly another finals appearance. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's all very impressive for the Warriors. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely uh, as you said, Chris earlier. The Warriors are the Warriors again, and uh, this is just it, it, it's incredible to watch the performances that they put on against the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies fought as as hard as they could, but it just it came down to there wasn't anything left in the gas tank, and that's I think. They went out on their shield. The Grizzlies can can leave this postseason feeling really proud because, again, you look at the regular season, no one expected they would dominate the way that they did, and then they won their first round, which was what you know, you're know you you're saying your goal was for the Grizzlies, and I think a very good goal for that franchise. But uh, the Warriors are just – Steve Kerr has got a formula there, and with all these guys back and healthy, uh, with the exception of James Wiseman, of course – they are a lethal team on the court. They've got some holes at big man, but with Kevon Looney um, stepping up the way that he has and other players sort of stretching the court, it seems like they've shored up that one-time weakness. And I, I really can't see too many holes to poke into this team, and that's really scary. So I want to say first and foremost, to echo Grant a little bit here, um, the Grizzlies, congrats to them on, on a season that they had because they get their first division title uh, in their franchise history, at least in the Southwest Division. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of high hopes for this season. We talked about being robbed of seeing Chris Middleton with Milwaukee. You know, we were also robbed of seeing John Morant with the Grizzlies for the last three games of, of, of their season and what could have potentially been four games. Uh, I think for this series, it would have been absolutely wonderful to see them go seven games. I think that would have that would have been absolutely Buck Celtics uh, type of series there. And unfortunately for Memphis, it wasn't meant to be for the Warriors. This is kind of what I talked about um, last week doing the Rock Solid show was that for me with them, why I was so um, strong with them, at least for whether it went six or seven, was their experience. And I think that's kind of what we saw down the stretch. Without John Morant, it was tough. For Memphis to have that kind of experience, right? I'm, you know, because you have a team that's played tremendously well without Jaw, right? Like something like 21 and four uh, on the season, somewhere around there, and just and, and a team that you don't ever see this from a team that loses their star player and that is still able to perform at a high level. So, congrats to Memphis on that. Uh, they were able to stick in there in those games. We talked about the games where it just got down the stretch. Uh, game, um, I'm, I'm sorry, was it game four? Um, for Memphis, uh, where they uh, lost the lead at the very end of the game, there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and Bryson, you mentioned it. It was just a couple different plays happen in, in the series, especially in those first four games. And you have, you know, a completely different series. Memphis is possibly up three one instead of down three one. So tough for them. Uh, they have a lot to look forward to, though. Uh, going forward, I don't think they should have any worries. They know that this. Uh, they were just dealt an unfortunate hand at the end of this year with given the injury and. Um, you know, the Warriors can, here they are again. 
Uh, we've seen them in the spot before, so they're, they're just doing what they do. And, uh, you know, despite some games where Steph and Clay didn't shoot it as well as they normally can, uh, being the Splash Brothers that they are, you know, they were able to prevail. And that's that's kind of what I expected from Golden State, to be honest. Yeah, they definitely have the – I mean, like we've said, everybody's probably said this at least once that Golden State is Golden State. I mean, they're just going to do what they're going to do. But uh, Bryson, I was actually uh, – I was wondering, what, what's uh, Memphis's – uh, like what's what's their off season look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't gone like super in depth into exactly what I want to see them do, but the two biggest questions. Well, the first question is going to be Tyus Jones. Uh, Tyus Jones is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season, and he's prop he's possibly played himself to where there's going to be some teams out there that might want to make him a starter. I think so. Yeah. After I mean, if you have, I think. They said as a starter, the team was on like a 60 win pace uh, with him as a starter. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that he's going to go start somewhere and just be on like a one seat next year or whatever. I think that's going to be the biggest question. We're going to see what goes on with Tyus Jones. We're going to see if he ends up coming back. It seems like he does want to play in Memphis. He likes the team. But if it comes down to I can make more money and be a starter somewhere, I do think that he'll probably make that decision. Now, maybe we'll see, hey, can we get can we just get a one year deal and come back for a year and then try to next year? We'll see what happens. Uh, Kyle Anderson is also going to be a free agent. So we're going to see what they do with him as well, which that that one is probably uh, more likely that he'll end up being resigned. I don't know if there's like a huge market for Kyle Anderson the way uh, there is for Tyus Jones. Say, how, how do you feel about Slomo? Do you want him resigned? Do you want him to stay part of the franchise? I mean, yeah, I, I think that you need like a veteran guy like him, and he he played well down the stretch in some of those games. I mean, he's going to have to be better uh, just overall uh, in terms of like free throw shooting and stuff like that. But I, I don't have any problems with them resigning him. I think that a lot of the guys really like him, and he's really one of the only, like, veterans on the team. It's just him and Steven Adams. But uh, the real question is, what is uh, executive of the the year Zach Kleiman going to do with – I think there's going to be another trade. There's there's going to be some kind of trade that they're going to do this offseason because they did a trade last offseason when Jonas Valanciunas. People were like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. It's it's not as good. Jonas was – Jonas might have been better than John Morant last season, <laughs> whatever, right? And then all, all of a sudden, now they're the two seed with the trade that he makes. So I, I trust him. I do think they might be looking to see if they're going to move Dylan Brooks. I don't know. I, unless he can kind of accept a role as, like, come off the bench and be and be on a heater. Like, we'll let you do that. But I feel like sometimes he does take too many shots away from Ja and Jaron. And then when you look at how well Zaire Williams played in that starting lineup, he missed most of the season and they got the two seed with starting a rookie. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, if Zaire gets better, he's going to go to the summer league and they're basically going to let him be like, in this summer league, you are our LeBron James. Yep. Whatever you, you want, you're going to do everything. Because yeah. that's what they did with Desmond Bain last year. Because I'm the same way with Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain last year was too good to be in the summer league. Yeah, I think Zaire Williams <coughs> might be he, – he would be one of the top, like, five players playing in the summer league besides maybe yeah. one of the better rookies, which we'll see what happens with that. But – I don't know, man. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the most important thing is that all the players are younger. 
are they're, they're all young, so yeah. I think they're all gonna get better. Jaron is. I think the the biggest the biggest the biggest thing for this team is John Morant is the best player, but this team is going to go as far as Jaron Jackson Jr. goes. If Jaron can become a twenty point per game scorer along with what he does on defense, then that will completely change the way that the Grizzlies can play. Oh yeah, and I need him to get better in the post. He plays on the perimeter too much. You're seven one. Like I need you to do a little bit more in the post. He has the post hook. Mm-hmm. That's his one move that he likes to go to, but he doesn't have another move. I need John Morant to get better in the mid-range. I think those two things are going to completely change everything. They need to lock John, Jaron in a room together and just make them run the pick and roll. Yeah. And like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it. I really think it's just going to come down to our players getting better more than a lot of moves that they're going to make. But I do think there is going to be one move that maybe it's – and it's going to be one where the fan base and probably the media is going to be torn on it the same way as it was last year. But I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to make them better. And in that uh, that possible move that might not make everybody happy in the immediate uh, outcome of it, do you think Desmond Bain is also in that conversation? No. No. No way. Because I know, I know his value, but also, you know, Dylan Brooks. I mean, what if a team says we're going to give you – a really good package deal if you give us, you know, Desmond Bain. What if they're offered a star for Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, like a big star name? What I if mean, they sent you Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner for Desmond Bain. No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. No, I'm sorry, Brogdon. If, yeah, if you need no. a bigger name than that, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm like, saying if right, you're gonna right, if right. you're gonna trade Brooks or somebody like that or Desmond Bain, it would it would have to be for one of the better players in the league. Because when you look at the way Desmond Bain played in that first round series, mm-hmm. like he looked like an all-star against the Timberwolves. He did. And I think that he's going to keep getting better. And you look at the fact that the league is becoming more and more three-point oriented. And he was one of the best three-point shooters. I think he was like top 10 in, ma- in makes and uh, top five in percentage. And it's like he's the best shooter in the history of the Grizzlies. Like you can make an argument for Mike Miller back in the day, but I think that at the volume that he's on right now, he broke the record for most threes in a season. I think he's the best shooter that the Grizzlies have had, and I don't think they're going to get rid of him. All right, just so just for fun, um, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. on a signing trade with DeAndre Ayton. Oh no way! No, <laughs> no way! No, no way! I'm oh, just God. curious. I'm, I'm hanging up, that, dude. I'm hanging Brooks. up the phone and blocking their number. Yeah, they sent me that trade. Because then Dylan Brooks gets all his shots and he's missing a lot of them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, why well, that's that would be, uh, yeah, that certainly would be one of the outcomes. And, and see, and maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just biased, but I think I think Jaron's better than DeAndre Ayton. I think so too. I think he's got a lot more versatility. Like DeAndre Ayton was trying to bust out the three a little bit this year, mm-hmm. but he still doesn't dominate the game for the kind of body type he has. No, like Jaron Jackson Jr. I or think maybe not necessarily that they're better right at this moment, but I think the potential that Jaron yeah. has is like yeah. way th- is like through the roof. I don't know how much better DeAndre Ayton is going to get. No. That's what I'm looking at too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just I think. I think I don't know. Jaron Jackson Jr. just moves a little better on the court. Like he's he's definitely got more agility, just from what I see. I don't. I, I feel mean, like he's a he's a better defender. Yeah. I think that's that's going to be really important. He's and, he can, 
And and there was times where you know he was getting switched on Steph in that Warrior series, yeah. Yeah. and got a couple blocks on him. And I, this is what I said, right? A lot of teams like to do the thing where I'm going to pull out your center, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to attack him with my point guard. That's mm-hmm. what Luca does to everybody. That's what Steph did a few times, but it didn't really work out as well as they probably thought it would. Uh, they didn't do it as much as I thought they would either. Which that was a question that all of war, every Warriors fans I talked to was like, why are they not attacking like Steven Adams when he's in the game? But <laughs> they weren't doing it. But uh, when you have a guy like Jaron on the court, you can't do that. It's like, you, you can, I mean, you can attack him in the high pick and roll if you want to, but I don't think you're going to like the results. I mean, even I'll go back to in the regular season. We were talking about uh, Luca earlier. He tried to do that uh, two or three times on Jaron, and Jaron got to stop every time. And he was like, all right, let me try Brandon Clark instead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's other guys that they're going to try to attack rather than Jaron. And I think that's going to be – I think that's the big thing is Jaron – Jaron is already there defensively. He's going to have to get better with his fouls, and he's going to have to continue to get better finishing around the rim and playing in the post and all of that. And I think that's going to be the really big difference for the Grizzlies going forward. Yeah. And age is on side. Would you say the only team younger than them is the Thunder? Yeah, the only team younger than the Grizzlies is the I Thunder. I saw it yesterday. There actually, there's two. That's oh, wrong. there's another one now? Orlando. Oh, Orlando. Well, no, they they are often forgot about, so we'll forgive you for that. Sorry. Well, did they get did they did they hit double digit wins this year? <laughs> <Double> <laughs> digit. <laughs> My bad. Dude, that was that's twenty. Ain't a lot of magic happening down in Orlando. That's no. a fact. Yeah. I was about to say, dang, Justin, double digit. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. That, that would be the process fixer. That'd be the Tony Rodgers fixer. You imagine uh, a, a would have broken their uh, Imagine a nine and seventy two season. I'm sorry, nine seventy three. Yeah, nine seventy two. That's just, whatever. It's it. That's unbelievable. That would look. Think th- about. I mean, I think I think Pelicans. I could see that fitting them real well. The Pelicans. Um, not not with this roster. I just mean as a franchise. Like if there's one oh. team that matched with a with a nine and and seventy three record, <sighs> it's absolutely the Pelicans. Not the, I'm gonna say Pelicans. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Sacramento. Sacramento so, okay. seems to but fit. Sacramento that bill. had some like deep playoff success. Win the Chris Webber. Oh well, yeah. yeah. I guess they went I to mean, the Western Conference Finals, and then the refs rigged it for the Lakers. But. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, like I get it. They're comparable. They're both bottom of the pile. But um, I mean, Orlando. Yeah. Orlando yeah. had a run with Dwight Howard there for a while, and then oh, Cole Anthony. Too. I love Cole Anthony. I, he's a pure scorer. I do too. And yeah. I think I think he can lead that team. I mean, I just get get just draft some good people. Just get some solid just players. Make smart I mean, moves. They got they got they got they got a good uh, they had a good draft last year. It's just. Everybody's young. They just need to develop a little bit, and then they'll be. And because uh, of that, they have a lot of cap room going into this offseason. Yeah. Now, Orlando's not usually a normal big free agency destination by any means. I think they are now for sure. But you think about it now. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't someone maybe consider it? And yeah. if you can get a couple stars, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. So Orlando. that's probably enough about Orlando. <laughs> I, did, I, I did not. To, I did not mean to bring up the Orlando Magic topic. <laughs> it's, 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 it's okay. okay it's genuine. I just genuinely like remember checking like the standings like a couple times a week. Just seeing six wins next to me. I, yeah. I, just, I guess I stopped checking. Them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they won some games down the stretch. I guess uh, they got better as the season got went on. But and we had mentioned it this year, so it's good to fit them in. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's <laughs> throw, throw them in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> in real in playoff time, who had that right? Yeah. Yeah, no, but and then the last thing that I'll say about the Grizzlies offseason before we move on to Heat Sixers and then do the conference finals previews, uh, John Morant is going to be eligible for probably the well the biggest contract in Grizzlies history. He's not. I don't think he's 
eligible for the full rookie supermax because the rules are weird where he's going to be an all nba player this year but you have to do it either twice in your first four years or in your fourth year so he would have if he makes all nba again next season which i think if he stays healthy i think he probably would Mm -hmm. then he'll be eligible for the supermax which will be I think like 215, 220 million over five years. Uh, I think last year it was five years, 207 for Luca, which that's going to be uh, kicking in. And I think Ja is going to be on that same level, especially after he plays. I, I think he's going to get even better next season. So that that's going to be interesting. Uh, the owner of the Grizzlies, Robert Perez, actually made some good business moves apparently he's become like one of the top five richest owners in the nba too so he basically told our gm like hey if you pay you can pay whoever you want <laughs> we pay the man pay uh, him his money hey i like for the, for the luca thing it's just it's nice to see a star somewhere around dallas area playing like he's getting paid you know so that's nice to see for a change. Uh, is that a Dak Prescott shot? Uh, is that no, what we just got on probably, the NBA pro- podcast? Probably more of a Zeke shot. I, I, I'm oh, still okay Zeke, with okay. it. But you're right, though, Dan, on Dak. Dak's got, he's still got some things to prove. That's true. But then kind of to move on, we're going to talk about the Heat and the 76ers. And similar to the way that Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker just did not show up in that game seven, uh, James Harden did not look like he was playing the last game of the season. And really no. just the Sixers in general, they just uh, – and I think I saw somebody tweet was like, do the Sixers know that if they lose this game, the season's over in game six? Like, do they know that if they lose this game, the season is over? Which is yeah, why – the, the classic game center stuff, the value for loose balls, there's a lot of hands on hips, you know, just pacing around or just walking around everywhere, really. Yeah, and then when you're playing a team like the Heat where that's like their entire culture is we're going to die for loose balls. Everybody on the team is freaking undrafted, it feels like, and have has a chip on their shoulder. They're going to play hard, and they just like – they out-efforted efforted the Sixers for most of the series, it felt like. It was just – it wasn't that – I don't think the Heat are like – I don't think the Heat are like way better than the Sixers. I think they have a better team, Yeah, but they're not – 20 points in a game six at home better than the 76ers you know what i mean like come on now you're at home for game six you can't go out like that yeah it comes down again to what you were alluding to with with the heat it's that they're they are going to die for loose ball die for loose balls but also just die they they would also die for loose balls they would would. that's what i heard originally so that fits yeah i I mean I i had no argument yeah, no, absolutely. But the Heat are just the Heat are an intense team that they want the win, and they were so close just a couple of years ago with the Lakers, and that was a great team. And I think I think Pat Riley's put together a real beauty with this group right here. Um, I mean, he's one of the best executives to ever do it, and uh, I, I think the Sixers just continue to have drama on and off the court. Ben Simmons is out of there, but James Harden kind of got called out by uh, Joel Embiid at the end of the series. Just like he's not the guy he was in Houston; he's a yeah, playmaker weeks. now. But you know what? No, I have a problem with. <laughs> Embiid saying that because he said we expected Houston James Harden. How? Yeah. How, okay. did, how did you expect that? And I don't even want to talk about that. I think we also need to just talk about Joel Embiid in general because this is now the second year in a row where they've lost and he just threw his co-star under yeah. the bus. And that was a bad last yeah. game. He he shot 29% from the field. Not three point. Three point was worse. It was 25. But field goal overall 29% in this game. I mean that's yeah, that's and, and, and I have a problem 
Right. And not saying that I don't like I have a problem when you don't take accountability. And I feel like this is now the second year in a row where Joel Embiid has been like, oh, well, like last year, obviously everybody was saying good about Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. But as a teammate, you're not supposed to be saying that about Ben Simmons to the media. Yeah. If you want to talk about Ben Simmons, talk to Ben Simmons in private and be like, you have to be better. But don't go right after y'all lose the series and be like, I mean, we had a chance with uh, to get a layup right here. And then we didn't and then uh, we didn't get it because he tried to pass it to Matisse Stiebel. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you can't that's you I, can't just blame it all on one player. And the same thing with Harden this year. I think that's a per I'm sorry, Grant, real quick. I think that's a personality problem with with um with Joel Embiid. He's a guy that really he wants attention and I think that's how he knows he's going to get it is by talking mm-hmm. to the media and saying the things he knows he probably shouldn't say. Yeah. I think I think Joel also I mean I've seen him take it on the chin before in the regular season. Like after a bad game, he's like, I sucked. You know? Yeah. So I think very true. I think he takes accountability. I just think it's it's more the second part of the way he's talked to his to his teammates, as you all were saying, and just like, you know, do it privately behind closed doors. I think the Ben Simmons thing was justified. It was bold, but I think that was justified. I think this James Harden thing, um, I think it's a little bit more fringing towards like this was too much. However, uh, Harden also kind of seemed like he just was taking time off this season. Like he was not the same James Harden. A lot of rumors of him spending a lot of time in a recording studio more than at the practices, you know, for the, Oh, he confirmed those. He confirmed those. And and I think, I think it's, it's just, it's a testament to, I think maybe it's just Joel, Joel Embiid frustrated with the 76ers, not giving him a capable and number two, who's going to put in the work that he is. I mean, he's been a great leader to the young guns on this team. He's never called them out in a press conference from what I've seen. And I think he's really supported them and built them up. I think him calling out Ben Simmons was justified. And honestly, the more I talk about it, I think him calling out James Harden was also justified. Just the fact that it follows one season to the next, there's maybe a little bit that you can read between the lines. But I I stand up for Joel Embiid, and I think he's got good character and he's a good leader for the team. Joel is an absolutely phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's always in contention for MVP. I think he will get it at some point, despite his uh, his depression with not getting it. But I think it, it, that's another thing we talk about. That's my only problem with Joel Embiid is it, when he was given that interview about uh, you know the MVP not receiving it, you know Jokic getting it. Is that in, in those moments and in the moments following the games that you just lost, your season's over. Yeah, you have got to be a better. Um, I guess I want to say personality. You've got to be a smarter person and always come across as, you know what, it doesn't matter. It As Bryson saying, it's on me, right? It's on, like, I have to be a better person. Now, Grant is also correct in what he's saying. We have seen that from Joel, but from Joel, it's like you seem to be obsessed with not receiving the MVP award for the second straight year. You seem to be pretty downtrodden about it. And then when it comes down to, uh, the the teammates, we get it, man. Nobody's gonna blame you for being mad at James Harden for only shooting two shots in the second half yeah. and missing, or I'm sorry, going like one one and one or whatever it was. Nobody's gonna be mad at you for that. But you have just got to be smarter about how you put things. Again, one of my favorite phrases I always say is not what you're saying, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing that I think Joel still has to mature a little bit about and do. But in terms of his game. My goodness, this is a phenomenal player. You put him with someone like a star, like I don't know, like a Jason Tatum or someone. My my goodness, the, the Sixers would be an absolutely incredible team. I think they're still a good team. It was tough to see them 
go out the way they did if you're a Sixers fan because losing to Jimmy Butler, who gave it to you, Right in game six, there you let him go. And of course, we saw the sound bits of him walking, walking. Oh, to you the picked, team you picked Tobias Harris Tobias over Tobias Harris over <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. Uh, no offense to Tobias, he's in VFL. We love him, right? But uh, you know, it's like he he got his justice. Jimmy Butler got his justice in that game, yeah. I think. And it was we did not see the Harden we ever expected to see. We we saw a Harden yeah. we never expected to see. I wonder if Joel Embiid in a year or two doesn't get shipped himself because he's he's voiced that he would love to have had Jimmy Butler stick around in Philly and he loved Jimmy Butler. Um, so I wonder if, you know, back-to-back seasons of, well, they had to trade Ben Simmons. You, you could say that this was like, that was the last draw. Like they had to trade him at that point. Like Ben's not going to come back. No. And then also uh, now with James Harden, like how is this going to impact their relationship with him? Is he maybe forcing the Sixers hand to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to trade you. And then they, it's one superstar for another goes from one contender to another. And maybe that's a better fit. I mean, look, this is, that's a, that's a, that's a big if, you know, but uh, I don't know. Maybe if the I don't Celtics know, I feel would want to do that, though, is my thing. If they would want, yeah. But I mean, if he's if he's forcing their hand, you know, like okay, so like a situation we've seen with Jimmy Butler getting out of Minnesota or something like not, that. Not not to that level of toxicity that that we saw manifest in Minnesota. Sure, that was pretty but, horrible. But so, I think it would like, take so something. Wait, so the same way that James Harden did it in Houston and I, in Brooklyn. I'd, I'd like, say, <laughs> so not as much toxicity. Not as much. Not not as much outward. To, I think. I'm trying to think of an accurate trade comparison, but I just think it's maybe something like, uh, you know, Dwight Howard to, to Houston. Granted, he signed with them in free agency, but I think just the way he exited, just like this didn't work out. And I think I think you get a lot of valuable assets for Joel Embiid. Um, sure. And I think, I mean, I, I, why not the Celtics? If the Celtics don't get it done this year, there were rumors of Brown getting traded with a trade Jalen Brown and a first-round pick, and they get for Joel. Joel, though. Yeah. This, this, this is what I'll say. I don't think that the Sixers are going to, trade I don't think they're going to trade Harden or Embiid the reason why I don't think they're going to like make I, I first of all I don't think Embiid's going to be off the table at least for this offseason like maybe in a couple years if they keep having playoff flame outs they'll be like it's time to go full yeah, he's rebuild. not on the table this offseason yeah like not anywhere not. near but I think the thing that they're going to say with Harden is if we get a full season of those two guys together, yeah. I, let's see what happens if we get them for a full season. Yeah. They build chemistry over 82 games or however many games they're going to play uh, because of injuries, whatever, however many games they're going to play together. Yeah. But let's get a full season, an off season of them being teammates. Mm-hmm. Because we got to remember, they've only been – well, he's only been on the team for, what, three months? So, yeah, yeah it's it's – they – had they didn't have a lot of time to build chemistry i do think that obviously they wanted to win the championship this year yeah but i think everybody kind of had the feeling that the james harden was more of a next year move kind of just yeah. because when you look at the east there was a lot of good teams between the bucks and the celtics and uh the heat obviously the bucks and the celtics ended up playing each other but there is a time where i was like dude celtics bucks is probably going to be the eastern conference finals yeah and it's just like the 76ers aren't better than either of those teams i think the Bucks would have beat the Sixers. I think the Celtics would have beat the Sixers. I, so I, I think that that's that's pretty on point because with with the Sixers, I think you you had to get what you had to get at the time for 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 Ben Simmons. You couldn't let something like a, a James Harden trade go because you know what that's that's probably getting more back than you thought you were going to get for Ben Simmons to begin with. So you just you were fortunate to have the situation with Brooklyn where he just wanted out of Brooklyn. Yeah. Um. You know, just astoundingly after spending the one year with him, but for for Harden, I think that's what you're going to see with. 
Philly going into the offseason, you're not going to see a contract extension. At least I hope they're not dumb enough to do that. But I think they are going to talk about trying to restructure a contract. Yeah. Maybe Harden's willing to take a little less. Maybe they get in some help. So. He needs, he wants he needs to time. be, though. He Yeah, he wants – you know, but he can get his money through his studio time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Harden has got to – at this point, you are well past the Houston James Harden that we all once knew. Um, you have got to be willing to do that in your career at this point if you want to bring in some solid help – um, that's going to help y'all become a contender. Bryson, I think that's a good point. They knew coming into this season, we're going to see how this works out. But we're not going to have – they're not going to have a lot of time to work together and get something, um, you know, really uh, – like get really a foundation set. So when we go into season two, that's when we're going to see how well does Joel Embiid really work with James Harden. Can James Harden make a commitment to coming in in shape? Can he make a commitment to trying to, and being that facilitator that we know he can be? And – is he still going to be that guy in clutch time? Mm-hmm. There are some questions with James Harden. We know that. But I think for Philly, I think they're going to retain him. We'll see how he does. Maybe in a couple years, if it doesn't work out, we'll see what happens with MB. I did find it interesting, Jimmy Butler saying uh, in that postgame press conference, uh, I'm sorry, the postgame interview uh, on the court there, he did mention uh, that he still wished that he was on the team in Philly. And I was like, that's a little – Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I get it. Yep. He's got a good relationship with Joel Embiid, but I'm like, bro, I think you're in a much better situation in Miami. Well, yes, I think he's in a better situation with Miami, but I think the thing is, because we talked about the way Joel talks about games uh, af- after the games or whatever, I feel like Jimmy Butler is another guy that he's he's he doesn't care about that. Like, okay, talk about me after the game. I'll talk about you after the game. It doesn't matter. And I feel like that's one of the things. They, I think Joel and Jimmy have a similar uh, mentality where it's like it, it doesn't matter about anybody else as long as we're winning. But I do think that Miami, I think that's a better situation for him. Now, going into the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics, this is, this is going to be an incredible series. I think we're going to have another seven-game series. I think this is going to go seven games. Uh, I'm really I'm really been struggling on who I think is going to win this game. Both of these teams play incredible defense. Both of these teams don't have any weaknesses on that side of the floor, right? There's no weaknesses on the defensive end. But I think I'm going to go with the Celtics. Wow, okay. Because I think they have more offensively. When you look at Jason Tatum yeah. and Jalen Brown, I don't think there's anybody on the Miami Heat that is better offensively than Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think when Jimmy Butler turns it on, I think when Jimmy Butler turns it on, he, there's there are a few players that can hit quite like him. Like when he was with Minnesota right before, you know, the trade from there, he was just doing crazy stuff. I mean, with Miami, he carried a team that no one expected to go to the NBA Finals, to the NBA Finals. I mean, they were a good roster, but nobody was like, yeah, Heat are going to the Finals. He took him there. I think I think Jimmy Butler's right up there with those guys. And I think Tyler Hero's offense, although this postseason he hasn't been the same, Tyler Hero we saw in the posts in the regular season, he was sixth man of the year for a reason. He's averaging over 20 a game, and he's a really solid scorer. So I think he can bring a lot to this team. And, I mean, of course, Bam out of Iowa. I mean, they're just – I could go through the list, but they are a great team. I think. Oh, yeah, that's why I said I think it's going to go yeah, seven games. Absolutely. It's not going to be like yeah. a pushover yeah. series. And I'm not saying that – they are just my. I don't think the Celtics are like miles better than the Heat. I just think that there's going to be a couple times in the game where having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on offense is going to put them over the hump. That's the way I'm looking at it. 
But then at the same time, I think it's really nice to have Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo on defense. So I, it's sure. going to be a great matchup. I'm going to go with the home team, the home uh, the team with home court advantage in this series. You know, then that's it. That's like the only reason why. That's how close I think this series is. Yeah, yeah. Um, they match up really well. They what? Sorry, Justin. I'd go go uh, ahead if you weren't finished, okay. brother. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, and then the the three guys we talked about last episode that need to step up in the last series for them to win, and they did was Struess, Hero, and Oladipo. Oh, we know it was Vincent Struess and Oladipo, and I, I think we'll continue to see similar things. Those are the players you got to watch out for, um, or watch if you're like rooting for the Heat because, I mean, they haven't played a defense like the Celtics, and uh, like these these kind of these players like Struess, like a Vincent. Like an Oladipo, who, you know, are, are just kind of like uh, they kind of rely on the team system more than their own skill. You know, hence why they haven't had much success prior to being on Heat. Minus Oladipo, Oladipo is kind of a new player right now because of these reconstructions. But yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, uh, let me hear these rest of the rest of the old picks. What? I, th- I think that's a good point. And, and Spolstra and and Riley, uh, as we as we talked about, I'm so they they've got a tremendous system that they have worked Absolutely. out. And that's why Miami continuously uh, stays competitive, right? Even in the post Dwayne Wade era, they, when a lot of teams would have a drop off of their star player for uh, for years and years leave, Miami was able to stay relevant. Uh, as a matter of fact, Miami uh, since 2005, no teams have been in the Eastern Conference Finals more than the Heat and the Celtics. And, and so I think it's only fitting that we're seeing that matchup uh, for the Eastern Conference this year. I think for uh, Justin, you talked about being a toss-up series. BPI percentage right now has Miami as a 51% chance to win the series, essentially meaning <laughs> it's a 50-50 toss-up and they have wow. to go with somebody. Yeah. So why not go with the, wow. as you put it, the, the, home, home, court court, the home court advantage. I think this is going to be a tremendous series. I cannot wait to see the matchups, the star power between Jason Tatum uh, and Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler. I almost said Booker. Uh, and then we see like some of the role players. Is Grant Williams going to continue his unprecedented success? Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know for for the Heat Oladipo? How is he going to contribute? You know, is he going to be more of a defensive guy where he's just he's forcing those steals, those turnovers? Uh, you have Tyler Hero, who I think is going to be able to step up big for Miami. This is going to be a really good series. You're going to see that dog, P.J. Tucker, too. Best believe it. He's going to be out there on that court yeah. causing and wreaking havoc like he does because he's trying to get it back to the NBA Finals. Yeah. So, I, man, I don't even want to make a prediction for the series, man, but I will say I think Miami's a little bit more top-heavy versus Boston's a, a bit more well-balanced. So I think given that and given the fact that I have some partialities to players uh, <laughs> on the Celtics, I'm going to go Boston – Boston in you know what shockingly six. I think they get it done at home in Game Six. Okay, all right. I'm I'm the other way around. I'm thinking I'm thinking Heat in seven or six. I think the Miami Heat with all the names you're listing off there. I mean PJ Tucker in the mix as well. All the other players there. They're just they're such a well-oiled machine, and they have that as you mentioned earlier, Bryson, a chip on their shoulder. Seems like all these guys were undrafted. You know they came into this league with something to prove. And Pat Riley, that's the type of guy he is. He's going to go out there and he's going to prove you wrong. And uh, he surrounded himself with a group of guys that's that's going to work their butts off to win. I mean, I saw a workout video of Jimmy Butler, and it was just crazy what he was putting himself through to prepare for another championship run. And I think Jimmy Butler is incredibly hungry for a chip. I think Jimmy Butler, you know, comes from, I mean, such a he, – he had, he had a hard life, and he got to the league, and now he's here, and it's like I'm getting yes. my ring. 
And I think there are a lot of guys in this Heat team that are feeling like I'm getting my ring. And together, I just I, I don't see. I think the Celtics are are going to be there next year, but I I think I think the Heat are just you know no pun intended. They're they're on fire. Uh, uh, both in the way that they play the game and in their mentality. And I think they're going to win the NBA Finals. Now that the Suns are no longer here, I'm going to give to the other basketball team that has a fire, uh, fiery basketball. I'm going to give to the Heat. I think they win. I love that, Grant, because I've been feeling the Eastern Conference more than the Western Conference yeah. ourselves. So again, you know, yeah. we're, we're, getting into the, we're getting into the Western Conference, but I am, I'm totally feeling the two teams right now that are in the Eastern Conference as very heavy Thank favorites you. to win the title. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I can't say – I mean – I Maybe not heavy favorites, but favorites. It, yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. I still think, I still think it's gonna be. I still think it's the Warriors in the West. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. I think like, Heat Warriors. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. I think as as much as the Mavs played great against the Suns, I think it's like a, it's just completely different when you're playing that team. I mean, mm-hmm. I just watched the Grizzlies play him for six games, and it's when especially when Clay is playing the way. I mean, obviously it was game six, Clay. There's not much you can do about that. But if Clay just continues to get better, because you gotta think about it, Clay really has not been himself and they're in the Western Conference Finals. Right. Obviously he played good in that game six. He hit a clutch shot in game one. But overall he hasn't played the way that we've seen Clay Thompson play in the past. But if he can put four or five games together, and then Steph, Steph hasn't been playing great either. Mm-hmm. Steph are, has not been shooting well. They've been they turned the ball over like I think they turned the ball over like a hundred times in six games or something crazy like that. And it's like what? And they, you're now in the Western Conference Finals. So if they just play a, a little bit better, then like because they, they haven't played their best this entire playoff run they haven't played their best yeah so i think that's why i still think it's going to be the warriors in the west which we'll talk like and that's nothing against the mavericks uh they're going to have a problem with luca because i don't know if they have anybody that can guard them i just have to chime in the warriors are probably only where they're at real uh, real quick they're they're probably only where they're at because of jordan Poole at this point I think because of Steph and, and Clay not being as consistent yeah. as they have been, well, without like, that addition of Poole, yeah. And, and yeah, Looney had a had a good game in Game Six, but I just think without the addition of Jordan Poole and just how beneficial he has been f- for the Warriors' offense, I don't know, man. I, I don't know where we would be seeing Golden State out without him right now. I'll give you that, but I still think that even Jordan Poole has been kind of inconsistent. Because even in that Grizzly series, he had a couple games where he had like I think he had like eight points or eleven points in one of those games. Well, I guess where, I mean getting through the first series, maybe yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, the Memphis. yeah, in the Memphis series, he had a really good game one, but just he I feel like he didn't play great in that series just overall, not as well as he did in the first one. And I think that's part that's part of being a young player. I'm not sure if he's like going to be consistently that I'm I can go out and get twenty twenty five points, but. If he can, it's but all, but since you have Steph and Clay, and people if he does that games, once, we you're winning Giannis, that game. We were talking yeah. about Joel. We were talking about other players. I mean, everybody on the Paul, Suns. Yeah, everybody on the Suns. Like you have, you have good and bad games, and I think um, the Warriors they wouldn't be here if they weren't consistent. You know, the West, of course, has not been as strong as the East this year, but the Warriors they are. I would I would argue they definitely are consistent. I think they're gonna. They've been in championship situations countless times now, and they're gonna turn it on against uh, the Mavs. I would love to see Luka win. I just don't see how that sparse team is going to be able to handle the Warriors. But if they do, the only team that it reminds me of is the team with Nowitzki that won it all. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I did, who was on that team that I was thinking, like, yeah, these guys are going to overpower the Heat and really suffocate them? No, yeah, I'll, I'll, and I'll give you that. I do think one thing that will help the Mavericks is they like to slow the game down. 
and the Warriors are much better when they play with like all the pace, yeah. which is why I think in the Grizzly series, people said it was a bad matchup because the Warriors like to play with pace and the Grizzlies were like, well, that's what we've done the whole season. Whereas the Mavericks is kind of like a contrast of styles mm-hmm. where it's like, and also the Mavericks have a ton of three point shooting as well, just like the Warriors yeah. do. So I think that's, th- this is going to be a really interesting series. I'm still taking the Warriors in six, like, yeah, I'm I'm taking Warriors. I would say more Warriors in five or six than yeah. six or seven. Yeah, I just because they're going to have home court. They haven't lost a game at home all playoffs, all postseason, and yeah, I I that, I, I feel like they're the better team. I agree. Just yeah, I think just they're going to overwhelm. I think they're going to overwhelm overwhelm the Mavericks. Mavericks, but I think we're still going to see a this is a crazy. Um, series of games from uh, Luka Doncic again. He's going to do everything he can to will this team to victory. <clears throat> but, you know, Warriors, the Splash Brothers, you got the new Splash Stone, Draymond now, Wiggins playing um, best basketball of his life. Kuminga, Kuminga too, is going to give him some problems. I mean, we I said I don't think the Warriors can guard Luka, but I think they could do a pretty good job of kind of containing him more than any other team has this series. I mean, look at the first round. I mean, is it Royce O'Neal Garden, Luca? I mean, that's that's a non-contest. And then second round, Macau Bridges, yeah, but uh, Devin Booker, no. <laughs> no. Devin and Chris Booker's Paul, not because oh, we Chris heard what uh, we heard what Patrick Beverly said about Chris Paul, right? What? Yeah, yeah, cone. What we call them? cone? You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone, you make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. So The Warriors don't he's have any cones out there. Take. He's going to be back on first take tomorrow. Yeah, Warriors, I mean, uh, their best three defenders are just insane. Actually, a really common theme here. All, all the teams left play really good defense. Uh, Mavericks are probably on the, the shorter side of that. but you know, And it's crazy that you would say the Mavericks might be the worst defensive team because they were still like a top seven or eight defensive team all season, mm-hmm. which – and I mean, they just they completely shut down the Sun to have had basically like the most efficient offense for most of the season too. So all of these teams play great defense, and I think is yeah. all look when you get to the conference finals, there's only good teams left. Yeah, and I think that's really <laughs> the point. And I think I'm just glad with the amount of parity this in the NBA now. This will be the fifth year in a row where there's not a. Uh, repeat champion. I'm pretty sure. Thank God. So like, yes, I'm so glad we're past this era. <laughs> like, obviously, you still have the Warriors who have already won three. Sure. Which that's still like the team. I, I feel hate, like I hate them so much. <laughs> Grant, Grant is breathing in in, in but, anger over here, yeah. just having to talk about the Warriors in the conference finals. And I, I, I and I'm picking them, and I'm picking them, and too. he's picking them. Yeah. Wow, that, that's 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 mighty big. That's of big impartiality right there. right there. That's impartiality. Impartiality. That is that's a true, true professional. Yeah. Uh, Grant yeah. is is that. But I was I, right about the Jazz. I was right about the Jazz whole time. You were, yeah. I saw I, I, it. I, yeah, I saw it. That's a whole another podcast right there. The Jazz. Good oh word. no, and we're, oh, we're we, we can do we can do a podcast about all the teams <laughs> and talk about uh, what they're going to do in the off season. Sure. But uh, for now, just the conference finals. I would say enjoy these games. Because it's going to be incredible. I think both of these series are going to be really well, uh, are going to be really good. Uh, I still think, like I said, I've I've got Warriors and Celtics in the finals. That would be my pick. I I think I want to say for the Western Conference Finals, I'm I'm just I'm a, first and foremost. If you'd have told me this was the Southwest Division team that was going to make it to the Conference Finals this year, I'd have been shocked. Obviously, Memphis is is the team I would have thought of, um, but for Dallas. 
I, I am absolutely sick. I have to sit here and kind of go for them over Golden State. And it, it, don't get me wrong, I don't dislike this Golden State team near a near as much as Grant does. B near as much as I did when they had Kevin Durant. That I couldn't. I, I just despised Golden State at that time, especially Indeed. given the 2017 Conference Finals. I'm not going to get into that with uh, with uh, Zaza a cheap shot there. But as hmm. far as the Warriors. They are the consistency we've seen since the mid 2000s, uh, uh, 2010s, excuse me. So I think this is going to be, this is setting up to be a tremendous series. Yes, Dallas is three and one against um, um, Golden State this year, but Clay missed two games. Yeah. The leading scorer for the Warriors for those for that series was Steph, not shockingly, but shockingly with only like 22 points a game versus Luka, who was scoring 29 to 30 easily. So I think for, for, for Dallas, this is not going to be like it was during the regular season. They are going to absolutely have to have those role players play like they did in Game 7 every single game if they want to stand a chance to win this series. I don't think they will. Obviously, I'm, I'm with you guys on the Warriors train. I think the Warriors get it done. I'm going to give Luka the credit of winning two games. Uh, not just Luka, of course. I think he's going to get some good role players. And uh, and they're going. I think they'll, they'll win their home games. I think so. I think Dinwiddie will also continue having good success. We talked about Dinwiddie, you know, and maybe he's not a two guy or whatever, but I think he's going to continue to contribute well. I'll give Dallas the credit of winning two games. Ultimately, I think the Warriors get it done um, in six games. I really want to say five. I really do, but I'm going I'm to stick with six. Both series go six. I've got Celtics, Warriors, NBA Finals. All right, Justin, what's your, what's your, yeah, I was to say, what's your, what's your pick for this? Or you got a question? What's up, man? Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pick the Warriors in six, but I – you know, I had a quick question about Luca. Has he ever disappointed in the in the playoffs? Has there ever been a series where, like, oh, Luca should have done more? I feel like it's always been like, oh my, what a what a performance by Luca! Like yeah. against the Clippers early in his career, like he was soloing Kawhi and Paul George. Sure, yeah, uh-huh. similar things will be going on. He has a better supporting cast than he did those years, but you know, it's going to be a whole lot of Luca. But Warriors just have too much firepower. I mean, I think I think again, that we should Warriors be worried. I was about to say, maybe we should be worried that all, all of us are picking the Warriors. Maybe Warriors fans should be a little well, bit worried if we I all I think that's them. what Grant wants. Grant wants you us know, to put that I, voodoo on him. A little bit, but also, I mean, Luka Don, the more, he's just, he's next year's MVP. I'm, I'm sorry, Embiid, okay. but you're going to be, you're going to be more depressed because <laughs> you're not winning next year either. Luke, it's ne- next year is Luka's because he's 23 and Jokic really deserved it this year, but next year is Luka. Next year is Luka. And I think, I think, I think it'll be a good like race that. between him and, uh, Hear me out, Jason Tatum for NBA MVP. I can see that. I, I can, can see, see that, that as well. Tatum's taken a lot of heat this year, and he's someone that takes criticism and puts it right into the engine. That, that reminds me. I'm going to find the Facebook post I made when he was drafted, but I made the um, – the uh, how should I say? I made the um, uh, prediction that he was going to be that year's still of the NBA draft. He was obviously not that far taken, but there was a lot of talk about other players going on. I said, Jason Tatum – He's going to be still in the NBA draft. Watch. Yeah. I'm going to find I'm going to show you guys. Yeah. Well, and with that amazing Chris seeing the future, we're going to end this episode. Uh, obviously, conference finals coming up, NBA finals uh, coming up soon as well. Very excited to see what happens the rest of these playoffs, but we'll see y'all on the next episode. <laughs>